you know me, so you know I did not come in here with a Father's Day message, all right? We're in a series. We're staying with it. Because what God has to say to us today will make us better spouses, fathers, parents, kids. Let me start with a few disclaimers before I do some recap. Disclaimer number one. Nothing I have said two weeks ago, last week, this week, or next week is about money. I will talk about it, but what I'm saying is not about it. I am speaking as Jesus spoke because I'm speaking his words from Scripture. We're talking about hearts, okay? We're not talking about money. We're talking about hearts. That is disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two. I did not sit in my office at any time this week, nor will I sit in in my office at any time this next week and think about what I can say to make Tasha or Fishhook or Rob or Todd upset. I will not take things I know about your life and work through them and go, how can I say this so that they feel the most impact? It is not going to happen. Disclaimer number three. Some of you are going to feel that way this morning. And I am not going to apologize for that. Here's what you need to know if you feel that way. It's not on me. It ain't on me. And nobody is putting blame or guilt or shame on you. Here's what it means. Something that you are doing no longer needs to be done. And it is time to turn from where you are going or where you have gone to the direction you need to go. That's what it means. It is something grabbing hold of you and not saying, you're awful. It's saying you need to make a change, all right? It's just like, and I, I, I said this with my wife here, okay? Sometimes we want to say things to our wives maybe we absolutely shouldn't say, all right? Sometimes it's words we shouldn't speak. Other times it's just things. But if I, by some chance one time, looked at my wife and said, you're acting childish, and she looks back at me and says, you just called me a baby, that is not what I said. I do not believe in any way, form, or fashion that she is a child. I believe in that moment that the choices she make or the tantrum she happened to be throwing was childlike, correct? So if I say something today and you're like, oh, why would you call me that? That's not what I said. I said something and the Holy Spirit went, and you went, ah, and that ain't my problem. But because I love you, I'm going to throw it out there. And because I'm your pastor, whether or not it's my problem, your heart is. And I want to help your heart be whole. So we're not going to start and, and lightly roll into this, all right? We're putting our gloves on, and we are, we're going right off the bat. I always, nobody in, no, nobody in the first service m- remembered this, so um, I don't expect you to either, but I always talk that, that God says there are basically only two rules. All the other rules fall under those two things. Can anybody tell me what they are? Love God and love people, all right? There are also basically just two things in my opinion. There's no Bible verse for this, but in my opinion, there are two things that almost all sins are caused by are two really root sins that can be that everything else can be attributed. Can you tell me what those are? Anybody? Thank you, Todd. He's been around since I've been here from the beginning. Greed and pride. So I told you this week that we would be talking about practical steps. Why did I tell you that? Well, the first week we walked through the scripture and talked about a history of giving. Why God's people give. 
why people who believe in God are supposed to give so that there would never be a time when I was standing here, you were standing before your children, or you're standing before a Sunday school class, and you could say, we're supposed to do this. And they go, well, why? And you didn't know. There is a historical and a biblical and a spiritual reason for all the things that we teach disciples to do. All right, everybody with me there. Second week, we talked about what the heart was to be for. Hearts of generosity. We talked about our need to, our our created need for God to want us to give. Not about taking, but about giving. And in doing so, we learned these two things. Number one, if it doesn't make an impact on you, if it doesn't hurt a little or pinch a little or squeeze a little, C.S. Lewis says, I fear you are not giving enough. If what you are giving away doesn't cost you something, doesn't mean you're losing something else that you want, you're not doing it right. Second, giving generosity requires what we call financial margin. For those of you who don't know what that means, it is a lot like the margins of the page. You can't write from one side all the way to the other and be sure you're going to get all the words in there and be sure people are going to understand. You need this space in here in case you go under or in case you start too soon. It's the same with your money. If there is something that is asked of you and you have no margin to be able to give it, generosity is impossible. Now, that's why Dave Ramsey says 80-10-10. You, if you can, he says, if you cannot live, if all of your bills and all of your wants and all of your desires and everything that you want to do that you can control isn't in the 80%, and I would even say 70, you're doing it wrong. 10% margin here to give to God because it's his. 10% margin here for savings because there are things that are out of your control. There's your margin, okay? And it actually should be way greater than that. That's why I don't teach, I give it to you as an example, not as a, as a biblical or a printable guideline, okay? Having said that, if I gave you all the facts in the world, if I gave you all of the credit card uh, debt relief uh, tactics in the world, if I took you through a financial course, it would not matter unless you get today right. It would not matter unless you get today right. Today is the key to why everybody can or can't give and be generous, and be free from debt. Today is the key. And the reason you, can't, you aren't generous or you can't be free from debt is simple. You fall under one of two categories, or both. You're either greedy, you believe that it's for me, you believe that every dollar that you make is a dollar that you can spend, every dollar that you make is about you and your family and your stuff, or B, that you can control your money that in some way, form, or fashion, you have power over the money that you earn. Neither one of those things are true. Biblically speaking, neither one of those things are true. There is no time that the money given to you is yours, and there is no time that the money you have is under your control. That doesn't happen biblically, and I'm going to show you why not, all right? First, you say, well, if we talk about money, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about an abundance of money. And most of you would say, we don't have an abundance of money, but you do. And most of you would say, if I had more money, I would have left less debt. That is absolutely untrue. It is 100% untrue because your habits follow you, all right? Here it is. When you were younger, if you made $25,000 a year, guess what you, guess what you spent? Twenty-five. Honesty, at least 
$25,000 a year. Then you made $50,000 a year. When you had 26 and you needed four more to get out of debt, now you're making 24 more. Guess what you still need? Four to get out of debt. When you make 100, guess what you're going to spend? 100. You cannot help it. And you think that you are controlling your money. So your graph looks like this. I made 25 when I was this, 50 when I was this old, 60 when I was this old. I spent 25 when I was this. The graph runs similar. Or your graph looks like this. I made 25, I made 35, I made 45, and I spent 60, 90, 150. And the second one is where you make the mistake about thinking you're in control. And if you say, well, I don't do this. I live within a margin. Do me a favor. I don't have stuff I don't need. Uh, do me a favor. Let me stand out in front of your garage and you hit the button and open the door. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. I'll tell you a statement that came out of both mine and my wife's mouths. We actually were talking when, when, when we got married. We talked about moving. A, because it was not her home. All right. But I had not... I was not married when I was in this home, so she was, she was okay with that. It was my house, and then it became her house, but she wanted to know if we could look for our home, and that didn't make any sense. And then, later on, when we started feeling the need to have some more financial margin, we were making more, and we wanted to give more, we actually talked about downsizing our home. And both of us looked at each other, and it wasn't about, we weren't getting ready to have Emmy right then, it wasn't about bedrooms. You know what it was about? You know what question we couldn't answer? What are we going to do with our Has, has that ever crossed anybody else's mind but mine? I'd love to downsize, but what am I going to do with my? So am I bound to where I live and what I want to do by what I have already spent? Then who owns what? I gave you all of the financial advice in the world, it would not be better and the good ones would match Jesus's. Then he said to them, watch out! Look out! Be on your guard! I got Paul down here and he would never want me calling him out in church and, and I would never want to embarrass him, but I'm going to talk about something that he and I, you know, are both... Yeah, Paul is a protector. That is who he is. That is what he wants, all right? He knows and he understands firearms. He knows and he understands tactics. That's what he does, all right? So if Paul came into my house and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how to guard yourself from a robber. The first thing you need to do is leave your door unlocked, but make sure that it's shut. The second thing you need to do is as long as you're in your bedroom, don't face the door or the window. Face whichever way you're most comfortable. And finally, if you own a firearm, make sure that it is 20 or more feet away from you. Would Paul say any of those things? Why not? Because that's not being on your guard. When you're on your guard, what are you doing? The firearm is within reach. The eyes are locked on the door. Every precaution you can take up front is locked. Why would Jesus use those kind of terms? Because he wants you to look out for something, right? He is afraid that there is something that is coming after you. Now let's look at the rest of the verse and see what Jesus says is coming after us against all kinds of greed. So when Jesus says, 
lock and load and get ready because it's coming. He ain't talking about a war. What's he talking about? Greed. Why? Because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. How many of you, when you look around at your home and your family and all the things you have, think you're building a life? Every one of you. What did Jesus just say? That ain't a life. Don't don't look at me. Life that's, well, doesn't Jesus want me to have a life? Well, duh. Why did he come? I have come that you might have what, church? Oh, come on. Life. Life and have it to the, he wants you to have a full life. That does not translate to a full garage. And there is where we make the mistake. And the mistake comes because of one of two things, greed or pride. And I'm not calling you greedy. I am saying that you and I have made both greedy and prideful choices when it came to money. Now I'm going to tell you why we do it. We do it because we think that A, the money that we make is for us, and B, the money that we make is under our power. Let's have a look down here at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We looked at this last week, you'll remember, because vermin, okay? All right, but let's look. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Don't hoard stuff. Where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break into steel. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Don't spend what you have on stuff that will fade away. Spend what you have on stuff that will last forever. Why? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you allow this world to have something that you adore, to have something that you desire, to have something that you idolize, it becomes your God. And now your God is on this earth, but your citizenship is in and you are split. This is why you don't have an abundant life. You are trying to please the gods of this world and not the God that gave you life itself because this life is only a vapor. It is going to last for all eternity and we can't wrap our minds around that because we wake up every morning and every night and we have breakups and we have divorces and we have uh, births and we have funerals and we feel all of these things and some days feel like years and some hours feel like seconds. That's how it is. But we trust in Jesus or we don't. Did you hear me? We trust in Jesus or we don't. Why? No one can serve two masters. Listen to me. I've heard this a thousand times. It always makes an impact on me emotionally like a skit or a sketch does, but it never got broken down for me to help me understand why it is a fact. Listen to me. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other. Listen, or, and basically Jesus saying, or let me put it another way. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's two things that were never revealed to me before that I want to reveal to you this morning about this passage, and I want you to listen very close. Number one, is there a, 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 a part of this uh, verse is there an addendum to this verse? Is there anywhere in this verse where it even insinuates that God or money are ever the servant? There's never an insinuation here where these two things are ever the servant. 
They are, no one can serve two, what? Masters. They are always the master. It is just the master of what or the master of who allows them to be their master. All right? Here's the second thing. I want to ask you a question. If God says to you, I would really like for you to give your neighbor $1,000, and you look at the book, and it is January 3rd, God says, I would like for you to give your neighbor $1,000, but Quicken says, you must pay me $1,300. Which are you going to do? There's your master. Well, wait, Craig, I have to have a home. Yes, I, I, we all believe that. But you made the choice to sign the paperwork that says, I will live in your house for X number of years. You made that choice. You picked the house, you picked the lender, and then you said, you own me until this is over. No one can serve two masters because you will be devoted to one. You pay it every month on time in the amount specified and despise the other. I wish God would just leave me alone about tithing or you will give to one. I'm offering my money to God and then they foreclose on your house and you despise them. You say, well, I, I, I'm generous. I love God. No, 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 listen to me. You serve Chase. You serve Citibank. When they say pay, you pay. And you pay, listen, because there was something that you wanted. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's what we're doing. With everything that we purchase, we are trying to add meaning to our child's life, meaning to our own life, meaning to our relationship, meaning to our spouse. We're trying to give meaning. No, you're not. You're trying to give things, things that will not last, things that you cannot take with you. Money is not the meaning, but a tool for something meaningful. Money is not the meaning, but a tool for something meaningful. You understand that you are never in control of your money because the minute your money comes in. Think about it like this. If money were all paper, all right, you wouldn't control it. You know what you really do? You divert it, right? Think about this for a minute. If every money were paper, so Rob works for the school system, correct? So the Jessamine County or the state of Kentucky, whoever the money comes from, actually, if they paid you in cash, that money would come from somewhere into the state. From the state into the county, from the county into your hand, from your hand into Kroger, from your hand into Walmart, from your hand into Gerber, from your hand into uh, the flower shop, all right? Let me get a witness, all right? All right. So all that you are is a what? Diverter. That's all you are. You're never an owner. You're a diverter. But what? You're diverting is where we lose it, okay? If you're ever going to get financially sound, you've got to understand that you're never in control. And then you've got to understand this difference. 
Now that you know you're a diverter, the question is not what you're diverting, listen to me, but who's you're diverting. Did you hear that? It's not what you're diverting, it's who's you're diverting. Let's look at another story. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. This is a parable, okay? Heavenly story with an earthly meaning, earthly story with a heavenly meaning, got it? It, it, it goes between, Jesus is telling a story and there, these are symbolic of something. A man going on a journey is God, Jesus himself, all right? I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be on. A man went on a journey and he called his servants to him and he entrusted what? His wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, another two bags, another one bag. Guess what? Bill Gates has lots of money. The CEO of 3M has lots of money. Everybody in this room has money. It works that way. We're not all entrusted with the same. Don't think that you should be, and don't think that because you weren't, you should have been. It was never your call. You don't like it, take it up with the master. The man who had five bags put it to good use, gained five more. Also two bags, gained two more. The man who received one bag dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. What these gentlemen did was not with their money. What they did was with their master's money. And here's the key. When the guy with five went out and worked hard to double the master's money, did you ever notice in the story that when he doubled the master's money, the half was supposed to go to the master and the other half was supposed to go to him? Did that ever occur? That, isn't that our mindset? If somebody gave you $10,000 and then you invested it and made $14,000, then you returned $10,000 to them, you're supposed to keep the four. That is not how Jesus works. Jesus said, here's my five, and the man said, here's your 10. Jesus said, here's my two, and the man said, here's your four. Jesus said, here's my one, and the man said, here's your one. It's nothing to do with money and everything to do with finance. Watch. After a long time, the master came to return accounts. The man who brought five bags brought 10. Well done, good and faithful servant. All right? The man with two bags of gold, there we go, also came. He brought two more. He brought four. Well done, good and faithful servant. The man with one bag came. Listen, if he's bringing the master's money back and he knows that's okay, why before he even hands the money back is he making excuses? Why when I ask everybody who ever comes in my office about financial debt, when I ask them if they tithe, always makes an excuse before they answer, every single time. Listen to me. The man says, I knew that you were a hard man. I struggle with this because I know this is God. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, scattering where you have not scattered, sowing where you have not scattered seed. I had to deal with that. Actually, Steve asked me, and I spent the last 24 hours dealing with it, and I figured it out. 
I figured it out when I figured out that this passage is not about money, it's about the heart. I figured it out because I know that's not what God is. So do you know when you screw up with money? When you don't know who God is. When you don't understand the master. I knew that you are a hard man. I'm a hard man. Before I go, when we go away on a trip, do you know what we do? We withdraw cash to take with us. Before this guy goes on a trip, he takes eight bags of gold and gives it away. This is not a hard man. This is not somebody who, who, who can sow and gather where they do not. He doesn't sow and gather where he is not because he is everywhere. He also doesn't sow and gather what he has not because it's all his. My wife called me after the first service. I was over at the, at the, at the market getting me a, a, a water, which I need to take a drink of. And she says, I have to tell you something. And she said, I was listening to the radio and Levi Lusco came on. I could care less about what he says or what he doesn't say. But if you were listening to Caleb or whatever this morning, here's what Levi Lusco said. He was talking about giving and I love this. And he said, you have to understand that almost all church people believe that they should give a tithe. If you believe you should give a tithe, raise your hand. Even if you don't or do, just raise your hand if you believe you should give a tithe. Me too. We were all wrong. We were all wrong. You do not give a tithe, you return a tithe. Giving is everything beyond that. That is what God allows you to be responsible for. He's checking your heart up front. You return His. Then you steward yours. You cannot give a tithe, you return it. I cannot sow and gather where I have not scattered because it's all mine. You're not enhancing God's financial plan. It's about the heart. You wicked, lazy servant. Listen, 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 listen. Do you remember what Jesus says when we don't know how to choose between the wheat and the tares, the narrow and the wide? He says something very simple. Depart from me, comma, what? I Never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. There was nothing involved where you and I got together and got to know one another. You wicked, lazy servant. So, so you knew that I harvest. You knew these things. This is what you thought of me? This is what you thought of me? And then the Bible says, he sent him to where there would be weeping or gnashing of teeth. All right? Andy Stanley says this. You must be knowing where the master's money's going. You must be knowing where the master's, master's money's going. Let me hit y'all right now. Let me hit every one of you right now. Here we go. Me too. You ready? How many of you have ever looked at your credit cards, looked at your debt, looked at your statement and gone, I, I make $65,000 a year. I know that my mortgage and my electric bill and my rent doesn't equal $65,000 a year. And then you say this, I have what? No idea where the money went. Has anybody ever said it? Fail. You best be knowing where the master's money's going. This is what you have to give an account for, church. What did you do with what I gave you. Do you understand that no matter how, how many 80-10-10s I tell you, no matter how I tell you which credit card to pay out first, no matter what I tell you about mortgage and interest and loans and length of time, no matter, 
all of the things that I will give to you next week that will help you get better are meaningless without these two things. You've got to throw the greed and the pride out the door. It's not your money, and you've never been in control. If you won't give me that, I can't help you. Do you understand? If you won't give me that, that's like somebody coming in our church house and saying, I need you to introduce me to Jesus, but you cannot use the Bible because I don't believe it. I need you to nourish my body, but you cannot use food. I need you to help with my dehydration and use no liquid whatsoever. That's what you're asking. Craig, fix my financial crisis, fix the financial problems in my marriage, but do not tell me how to spend my money. Do you know what you've done? You've transferred your slave papers. You've just put them on me. And listen to me. I have never had a debt on anything you bought. But here's the thing. Because I am your pastor and I care about your heart, I accept this, bear one another's burdens. And here's what I'm glad to do. I am glad to bear the burden of a mistake that you made that you are willing to admit that you want to climb out of and I will get down in the debt hole with you if you have a shovel and I have a shovel and I will dig it together. But if you expect me and my shovel to get down in there while you watch from the top and tell me how to do it, I am out! And let me tell you something. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. But when he throws you a line, he's going to ask you to climb up it. He's not going to drag you up. That's what you expect most of the time. Jesus, throw it to me and do all the work. No! We live in a culture where we can't work. We live in a culture where when there's a giant crisis and we're out of work, not only will the state pay for our work, but they'll throw in 600 extra just because they can because they need your vote. You know what that teaches you to do? Not work! And you say, well, I earned my money. I deserve it. No, no, no. Look at the five bag of gold guy. Who worked the hardest? The guy with five or the guy with one? The guy with five worked the hardest. Do you know why he worked? This is the key. I'm bringing it in right here. Do you know why he worked? He loved the master. He didn't need 1%, 10%, 100%, or 500% return. He wasn't targeting any of that. He wanted to stand before his master and go, you gave me five, daddy, here's 10. When you begin to work to please your master and that is what you're excited about, you will be overwhelmed at all your father wants to do for you. I know because he said, 10 bags of gold, that's nothing. Come, share all my wealth. There's a day coming when the good stewards of finances and the good stewards of kindness and the good stewards of grace and the good stewards of mercy are going to stand before the master and he will go, come, more grace, love, mercy, light, hope, peace than you can ever fathom, more joy than your baby's laugh ever brought you, more money than you could ever imagine. Come enjoy it all. So here's my call this week. Be knowing where it's flowing. 
This is your assignment for this week. Be knowing where it's flowing. I need you to go in and look. I need Kristen and Damon. I need Wesley and Donna and, 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 and the Davidsons and Jim and Tim. I need you to pull it out and go, I need to find every, every dollar daddy gave me so I can stand in front of daddy and go, here's what I'm doing with it. Listen, this is going to feel yucky. It's going to feel yucky because now you know something you didn't know yesterday. And next week, you're going to know something you didn't know this week. Listen to me. It's going to feel yucky because everything I said last week matters. Your finances will show what you love. Where you spend the most money, that's your most important thing. It is. But this week, your assignment is be knowing where it's flowing because we can't help you if you don't know. If there's this empty space of 17% of your income that you have no idea where it's going, it's that pocket change. Find it. Then we can help godly divert it. You understand? All right? I was ready to give you principles, but those principles don't matter if you don't buy into what I said today. It's your master's money or it's your master. pray. God, my prayer is that as spouses and, and husbands, wives, children, new, new workers, young people continue to evaluate their financial and their stuff situation, that, that they may be overwhelmed with hearts of generosity. How much can I give away? God, help me remember that that first 10% of everything that I get is not a gift from me to you. It's my returning yours to you. God, teach us all to return the tithe and then bless us all in such a manner that we understand that generosity can flow from us if we're working for you, not us. God, convict each family here to begin the process of reevaluating, of climbing out of debt, of climbing into blessings, and of showering those blessings on everyone around them. And God, continue to call our church to shower blessings on everyone in and outside of our community. We know, we believe that our financial health at this point in time is a direct result of your love for us and our obedience to you. And we claim it and we're thankful for it, and we ask you to give us the strength to continue to do it. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.